Legally Unzipped, where you develop your commercial and jurisdictional awareness. Welcome to another episode of the podcast of the International Legal League. I am your host, Casey Sequera. For this episode, we will be looking closely at the life of a barrister, who just happens to be our special guest, Jonathan Omowale Akinsania. Being a dual qualified lawyer in the jurisdictions of England and Wales and the Federal Republic of Nigeria, Jonathan has 27 years of experience at the bar. He currently practices as a barrister at Nine Bedford Row, specializing in criminal law, and is also a partner at Charles Anthony LLP in Lagos, Nigeria. Hey, Jonathan, it is a pleasure to have you on our podcast. Thank you for taking the time to guide us through the world of barristers. Um, I'm honored to be here. Okay, so let us start with the basics of what exactly a barrister does. How is a barrister's role different from that of a solicitor's? Well, uh, the the role of a barrister is um, we are sort of the advocates. Um, we we do a lot of the advocacy uh, in the courtrooms, advising clients. Um, we're special. We're specialists, really. I think um, you know um, sometimes people compare um, the the medical profession. Um, G- GPs and consultants. Uh, the GPs are like the solicitors, um, the barristers are like the consultants and so they're specialists uh, in particular areas and so therefore are able to give advice, expert advice if you like, in those specific areas. So I think that's the distinction. Of course nowadays, I mean I do, I practice criminal law, so nowadays um, we have a lot of solicitor advocates uh, now attending the, the the courts and and doing their own advocacy, uh, but they're in a, a very much a minority, and um, the, the 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 barristers are still the specialists. So I think that really is a, an explanation of the of the differences. Okay, all right. Um, and then, so when it, when exactly did you decide you wanted to be a barrister, and why? Well, I I I suppose I. St- really wanted to become a barrister probably in my mid to late teens. Um, I had a cousin of mine who was a barrister um, and I I sort of developed an interest from my association with him. Um, I was very keen on on various uh, legal programs um, on TV. I used to watch a lot of those. Um, and so, so I suppose a combination of the two, you know, sort of developed my interest in becoming a barrister. Um, well, I then went to do my degree and obviously um, you, you're then coming to the end of your degree and then you're trying to decide, well, you know, should I become a barrister or should I become a solicitor? But I think for the reasons I've set out a moment ago, I think my mind had been set on becoming a barrister. Yeah, of course. You know, everyone has their own story of why they wanted to become a barrister and why they wanted a specific practice. So yeah. what made you choose crime specifically? Well, I, I, I'm going to be honest, and crime was not at the forefront of my mind. You know, I, I, I suppose when I went to law school, um, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Um, I had an interest in employment law, um, housing, landlord and tenant. Uh, those were areas that I really thought that I, I was interested in. Crime wasn't really amongst my interests. Uh, but it soon became apparent to me that um, 
I um, was almost being pushed into crime because I attended, um, uh, when I was at law school, um, we had practitioners come to speak to us and we had practitioners from the commercial bar, practitioners from the, um, from the civil bar and um, practitioners from the criminal bar. And I think by the time you'd heard them speak, you realised that it was going to be very difficult to um, sort of get a pupillage in one of those sets um, other than uh, criminal. Uh, criminal sets appeared to be a lot more um, sort of um, acceptable um, of people from my background. I think they were a lot more diverse. We're going to come on to speak about diversity later, um, but um, for, the, for the purposes of, 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 of obtaining a pupillage and being able to um, uh, become a tenant in a chambers, I formed the view that um, a, the cr a criminal pupillage was going to be the way forward for me. I think, I hope that answers the question. Um, I could go on um, by saying that um, when I got into a criminal chambers to do my pupillage, I suddenly became aware that actually the criminal bar was the place for me because I think in terms of, um, you know, day-to-day -day dealing with different uh, problems, the advocacy in particular, um, you know, addressing a jury, you know, of course I didn't do that in my early, in the, in the early years when I was, when I was doing my pupillage, I think I, I did my first criminal trial probably, I think, um, in my third six of pupillage. Before that, I was obviously going to the magistrate's court quite a lot. But, um, you know, I suddenly realized that this was what I really wanted to do. Yeah, that's great. And yes, I've heard from many people that it's very, very hard to get a pupillage. Um, like out of thousands of BPC applicants, I feel like I've heard or I've seen statistics that only a few hundred get pupillages hundreds or two hundreds right no absolutely it's um it's very 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 competitive now um i mean back when i did it i mean i i was uh i did my pupillage in uh, 1993 um to um i think i was i was given my tenancy in 1995 so i started my pupillage in mid 1993 i think september 1993 but um even back then pupils weren't paid um you know i had to do a part-time job um before i came to the bars a qualified psychiatric nurse and so i used to do a lot of um work in order to in order to feed my my myself and my and my young family i had a young son uh, and a partner and so i had to work part-time i tended to work uh, weekends um so because otherwise i wouldn't have been able to do a pupillage um, I wouldn't have been able to afford to to do a pupillage. But things have changed a lot. Now pupils are paid. Pupils have a lot more rights than we did back in the, in the day. Uh, pupillage is a lot more structured, I think, than, than it was um, when I was a pupil. Although I must say that I had an excellent pupillage. Um, my pupil master was was somebody that I'm still in contact with today, even though he's retired. If I have any problem, um, um, that I need to, I need a sounding board. I will always ring him. 
So um, he taught me a lot. I mean, I often say everything I, I, everything I am today is primarily because of him, because he gave me an excellent pupillage. Uh, but um, things have changed for pupils now. It's a lot more competitive. You know, we in my chambers, for example, we only take probably about, I think, two or three pupils. Uh, when I was a pupil, I think, if, I think in one year, I think there must have been about 15 of us um between first six pupils second six pupils and third six pupils uh, so there were quite a lot because in those days we didn't yeah, we, we didn't we didn't get paid uh, but now obviously uh, pupils do get paid now so um the numbers uh, have come down in terms of what chambers can 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 afford so right now it's harder it's even more harder than before to get a pupillage is it i think i think i think it's hard. i think i would say it's harder I mean, it was hard then. Um, it's all relative. Um, it was hard then, but um, I think um, because the numbers have reduced, the number of opportunities have reduced. You know, those, uh, those, those. Therefore, the you know um, the numbers that uh, Chambers takes are, are a lot less. So then, would it be harder if, um, say, you come from a completely different country? You're, say, new to the UK. Um, but you studied in a UK qualified university in another country, but now you've come to the UK looking for a job, looking to be a barrister. So is that harder because, you know, you're coming to a completely different place? Listen, I, 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 I think, I think, I think it will be harder. Um, you know, it's not just the fact that you're coming from, from another, uh, country, um, even people who actually, you know, uh, are at universities uh, in in England um, um, find it hard. I think um, at the end of the day, I always say to youngsters um, who are at university, it's what you do whilst you're at university that, you know, you're, of course, the academics are, are important. The class of degree you come out with is important. But what's also important are the things, the extra things that you do, uh, mooting, you know, because if you, if you want to be a barrister, you, you have to get into the habit of doing public speaking. And so the public speaking, uh, mooting, uh, mock trials, getting involved in all those sorts of things. Um, and really, I, I always say that you need to make those sacrifices. It's not just about, you know, the academic side of things, but it's those extracurricular things. So that when you're making your application to chambers, I mean, because the chambers don't know you from Adam. All they see is the application. And so when you have the application, when they have the application in front of them, there has to be something there that stands out. Because the reality is that most people have the same academic qualifications. But what stands out in that application that makes me think that you actually want to become a barrister and will make a good barrister. Right. So those, those are the things that are important. You know, a lot of students, I think they, they miss that. They think, Oh, well, let's just concentrate on the academics. Yeah. You know, let me come out with my, with my first class degree. But at the end of the day, that's not the be all and end all because there are thousands of you who come out, who, who, who come out with, 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 with excellent degrees. But as a barrister's chambers, how do we how do we sort out the people who are making the applications to us? And we look beyond 
And we look, well, what, 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 what have they been doing whilst they were at university? You know, you know, when, 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 when they have a holiday, what do they go and do? What do they do? I mean, you get some people, they go and work at the International Criminal Court. They get a, they get a, um, what do they call them? Uh, uh, some work experience at the International Criminal Court or, you know, something like that. And it stands out, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it does. Yeah. 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 So, of course, you know, you're right. People usually miss the point of doing extras when they, and they focus a lot on their academics. Like, need to get That's good it. marks to be a barrister. I need to get good marks to do this. Need to get good yeah, marks. Yeah. And the thing is, I, I think also, you know, yes, you know, a lot of people say, well, yes, I want to become a barrister. But then sometimes you look at uh, applications, you question why they've made that decision. Because, you know, I don't necessarily think it's a choice that people have to make, you know, when they're, when they're at university, you know, why do you choose the bar? Why, why, why not uh, the solicitor side of the profession? So what is it that you're demonstrating that's made you choose the bar? What do you know about the bar? A lot of people come to interviews and don't have a first clue about the profession. You know, I guess they find the word really exciting, like, oh, barrister, so I'm going to speak in court. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. <laughs> and so, you know, I mean, the bar, the, I mean, the criminal bar, especially publicly funded bar is going through a hard time at the moment. And so what research have you done to, to, to understand the problems, difficulties that the, the, the publicly funded bar are facing right now? You know, understanding that, you know, it's not all, you know, it, it might sound fabulous, but it's not all fabulous because, you know, the, 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 the bar, the publicly funded bar is coming under a lot of pressure. And so what, 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 do, what, have you, what research have you done? Yeah. Um, I, I think that's important. It's not all sunshine and rainbows in the end. Absolutely. Absolutely. You took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> so then apart from that, um, what is it like in court? You know, like what was your first time like and how is it going like in court? Well, listen, I still remember my first day like uh, it was yesterday. And um, um, it was the most nerve wracking experience that I've ever had. I mean, obviously, I'd been going to court with my pupil master um, on an on a, on a almost daily basis. So I knew what it felt like to be in court. Um, but I was in court as a pupil, uh, so I wasn't really playing an active part in what was going on in court. My, my role was, you know, outside of court. But my first experience, um, and I'll never forget it, it was a Bromley Magistrates Court. My clerk said, uh, you know, I mean, in the old days, you used to attend chambers um, and at six o'clock, you were expected to go into the clerk's room and the clerks would tell you where you were going the next day. And the clerks told me I was going to Bromley Magistrates Court, where I was going to be doing a sentence on, uh, in relation to a defendant who I think had, she, she, I th my recollection, she was a prolific shoplifter. And in fact, was in breach of a suspended sentence. So when I got home, I was reading the papers. And there weren't many papers to read. I mean, after all, you know, it was a sentence. And so there weren't that many papers to read. But nonetheless, um, I, I read the papers over and over and over again. I finally went to bed, couldn't sleep, and found that um, 
I was, my stomach was rumbling. You know, it was, uh, it was really um, not a very um, good night. In fact, I don't think I, I hardly slept. And I remember getting up early and I was outside Bromley Magistrates Court, probably an hour before it even opened. And I stood outside and I was praying that my client wouldn't turn up. <laughs> I was praying, please don't turn up. Anyway, she turned up late. I remember she turned up late. Anyway, finally um, got in and then the, the usher came to me and she said, he, he said, oh, Mr. Atkinson, you know, we can get you on as soon as, uh, as soon as you, you know, you're ready. And I said, well, the thing was, I didn't want anyone to see me in court. So I said to him, well, I don't mind waiting until I'm the last case. <laughs> because, <Wow. laughs> I did, because I didn't want anyone to see me make a fool of myself in court. So anyway, he got me on, I think, just before lunch. And I just remember getting to my feet. And I must have been on my feet for about 40 minutes <laughs> until the magistrates, one of the magistrates said, Mr. Akinsanya, I think we, we, we have, we, we, you know, we have your submissions, you know. Um, can we just go and retire? Because what, what I must have been doing was just repeating myself. Oh. So anyway, that was my first experience. I mean, it was, uh, it was so nerve-wracking. It was so nerve wracking, you know, but of course, you know, uh, practice, you know, and uh, you get used to it, you know. But at the end of the day, even today, I'm 27 years at the bar. There are times when I go to court and I have butterflies in my stomach because sometimes I think that's what gets the adrenaline going. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's what gets the adrenaline going, you know. But at the end of the day, as long as you're prepared, I mean, preparation is key, you know, I mean, I, I, my wife often has a go at me because I'm, I spend until, you know, two, three o'clock in the morning, you know, preparing because preparation is key because the more, the, 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 the better prepared you are, the better performance you will give in court. Yeah, that's, that's right. It's still nerve wracking. I know because, you know, I've been to moots as well. No matter how mm. many times you do it, you still get nervous. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And that, and, and that won't stop. Yeah. You know, yeah. But it's a good kind of feeling as well. You no, know, it is. Absolutely. 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 You know, the key is to be prepared. You know, if you're prepared. Yeah. yeah. So we spoke about how it has not, I mean, you still go to court during the pandemic because um, it's criminal court, right? Yes. Well, I mean, well, I mean, we, when, when we had lockdown um, in March, we went into lockdown. Um, it was very difficult for the for, for, for the for the criminal courts because you know there there are defendants who are in custody, you know who who you know uh, want bail applications to be made. You know there are pre-trial hearings that have to be held, and so uh, the criminal bar um, started to. Oh, or criminal courts started to rely on um, in the in the early days of the pandemic um, Skype for business, and so we were conducting a lot of um, cases, you know, pre-trial hearings, uh, mentions, um, bail applications, everything save for trials, and we were doing via Skype for business, and so those were the hearings that were happening. Um, the courts, unfortunately, because of, um, because of course, in, in the Crown Court especially, um, we have all sorts of people who are important to uh, 
um, the system working. We have not only the court staff, we have jurors, uh, we have the lawyers, we have the judges. Do you understand me? So it was very difficult for, in terms of maintaining social distancing. I mean, that was a big problem. Oh, um, yeah. So okay. Trials, couldn't, trials couldn't, couldn't happen. And as a result of, um, you know, it's only in recent times, really, that trials have started to come back. You know, but they're not at the same volume that they were pre the pandemic. And so there's been a massive backlog um, in the system in terms of trials. Um, because courts are are restricted in the number of trials that they can have within a court building. I mean, so say, for example, um, Croydon Crown Court. There are eight courts at Croydon Crown Court, but probably, I think, um, you know, the last count, they're probably only using about four for trials. So all the other courts are either not being used or they're being used um, for pre-trial hearings that sounds pretty tough it's not only what you see in the courtroom it's also behind the scenes because of course juries have to have somewhere to go yeah to go and deliberate and so all that has to be set up behind the scenes because so there's a lot of work going on behind the scenes i mean public health england are involved you know they're obviously advising you know um the courts on you know how they should structure everything so it's been very difficult for for um the criminal courts very very difficult but they're but they're they're doing well i mean you know and 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 let me be clear i mean the you know the judges are are are, are frantically trying to to get things back to some normality but the reality is we'll never get back to what it was before that's true yeah yeah it's it's kind of tough. Yeah, I mean, at one stage they were even talking about um, you know temporarily um, removing uh, jury trials and just having um, judge judge and two 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 lay people. Um, but um, that would have been that would have been that would have been terrible. I mean, the bar we were totally against that. I mean, we want to maintain the jury system. I mean, the minute. Yeah. The minute the jury system, I mean, there's any tampering with the jury system, I mean, um, that will be the end of it. Uh, and we're very anxious. I mean, I think the judiciary actually also, they don't want, um, they don't want to tamper with the jury system. No, yeah, yeah, that's understandable. So then you're a defense attorney, right? I am, uh, yes. Yeah. So do you feel more pressure during trials compared to the prosecution? Or do you say it's like at the same level of pressure? No, well, I, 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 I mean, I've got. I, I, it just so happens that um, I, my my professional career has been defending. I mean, I I remember I prosecuted one case um, many years ago at um, Southwestern Magistrates Court. But I mean, it's not that I've got anything against prosecuting. It's just the way that my practice developed. Um, in fact, now I actually regret not having done prosecution work because I think a process. Pro- I think prosecuting makes you become a better defender. Um, so I actually regret not having prosecuted. Now, in terms of stress defending as opposed to prosecuting, I think they have their own different stresses. You know, um, I mean, as a prosecutor, um, you're, you're not there to get a conviction at all costs. The job of a prosecutor is to advance the case for the, for the 
crown for the state um, fairly, fairly. I mean, that's the key. But robustly, of course, you're not you're not there to get a conviction at all costs. You're there just to advance the case for the prosecution, and um, you know the 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 jury will decide. Um, so that has its own stresses, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Not having not having prosecuted, um, but I, I have friends of mine who prosecute, and and obviously it depends on 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 the nature of the case, you know. I mean, I think prosecuting a multi-handed def- uh, a multi-handed case, I mean, must be really stressful. I mean, I I defended in a, an attempted murder where there were nine nine defendants earlier in the year, and you know, putting you know, if you're prosecuting, putting a case together against nine defendants. That sounds like um, a lot of work. No, no, no. It's very, very stressful and um, hard work. You know, so. But defend and defending. I mean, although you know, generally speaking, you've only got your client to think about. But any good defender will always think about. Will, will look at. Will, will, will consider the prosecution case and 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 try and think about the tactics that will be used by the prosecution during the course of the case. Yeah. Um, so it brings it brings its own stresses. I mean, you 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 know, you're there with the defendant, and so. You know, uh, making sure that the the defendant is comfortable, making sure that the defendant's case is put in the in the right way. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, there are tactical decisions to be made. I mean, sometimes you have a lay a defendant who thinks uh, that you should ask a particular series of questions, but as a barrister, you have to decide whether those questions are actually doing his case any good yeah are they relevant and so it's there are there are different types of stresses and so as a barrister now in general how do you how do you handle these stresses because i mean i've heard that you know once you become a barrister or once you're even a lawyer in general whether a barrister or a solicitor it's very hard to um get a proper personal life because it's very stressful um, when you're dealing with cases and stuff like that. So how do you tackle it? All? No, well, uh, listen, I, I think um, it can be difficult, but it's very important that you um, have something else uh, to sort of take your mind off things. You know, I do that. I'm a, I'm, I'm a keen... Um, um, I used to play a lot of football, so I used to go and play football. I mean, I'm too old now to play football, and the injuries have caught up with me, so um, I had to stop playing, and I took up golf. Um, so I used to play quite a lot of golf. Yeah, I mean, I think it's important that you have some downtime. Um, I go on holidays with my family. Um, um, I mean, you know, I, I went through a phase, and I think um, it applies to quite a lot of us, I went through a phase where I was doing, it wasn't only my work as a barrister in court, but I was also, I, did, I, I do a lot of sort of stuff outside. Um, I was on the bar standards board for um, a few years. I was on the Southeastern Circuit bar mess for a few years. So these are all, these are, these are all things that you do in order to uh, sort of, advance the, the the profession it's, it's stuff 
that um you know not everybody does but um i just always felt that i needed to put something back into the profession and so you know i i sit on the scholarship panel of the inner temple um so these are all extracurricular things that you do um because i think i think personally i think it's important to 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 do these things you know to go to universities i go to universities um to you know especially my my old university i go there and do things um give talks um etc you know i do a lot in the community i'm a mem i'm a there's a, a, a an organization called urban synergy um which is um looking at you know going to schools and speaking to in the inner cities and speaking to young people you know i mean there's a lot of us involved in that from all from all walks of life medical profession lawyers um you know people on tv etc so you know because i think it's very important um to sort of put something back um and you know that's my way of doing it um so but that takes my mind off the the, the job um and helps me helps me with the with the stresses yep that's that's good i mean it's good um that you're not you know 24/7 um stuck on a particular job and you're going all out there you yeah. know i think there are some there are some people there are some people who 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 who, who live for um you know the work um but that's the path they've taken um you know whether whether um it's good for them um well that's not for me to answer but um i mean i i i do take my job extremely seriously i mean if you ask my wife she'll probably tell you that uh, you know i work far too hard but i'm sure i don't work as hard as you know i mean you, you, we have people called treasury council um and they, they do all the big prosecution um work and and they work they work extraordinary hours um but it's the nature of the job because they're moving from one big case to another you know they've maybe they have different you know uh, big cases i'm talking about big cases you know terrorist cases you know murders all sorts of cases and so you know and they're doing them back to back and so i mean they 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 their lifestyle is extraordinary but that's what they chose to do so um yeah. i'm sure they don't complain <laughs> we all have our different ways of working of yeah. course mm-hmm. um so then do you have any advice for you know aspiring barristers or our audience who's going to be watching this podcast no well i think i think at the end of the day i mean i've mentioned it earlier in terms of um you know understanding why it is you want to be a barrister you know doing the necessary research you know don't just look at um you know us um wearing our wigs and gowns and thinking wow that looks really good you know i'd love to do that at the end of the day all right it's a lot of hard work ahead um you know um you have to get through you have to get through all the different stages you have to get through you know the exams and once you get through the exams the work is only just beginning um you know it's a lot of uh preparation etc but the one thing i will say is that look if at the end of the day you've considered everything and your heart is on becoming a barrister then you must go for it you know 
I love the profession. Um, I'm still in love with the profession. And I always say to people that if your heart is set on it, don't let anyone tell you you can't do it. Just know that it's going to be a hard slog, but you are willing to put in the time and effort that's needed to get to where you want to be. But you will get there. Yeah, uh, that's, that's, some, that's really good advice, Jonathan. Yeah. Thank mm. you so much for bringing your experience here on our podcast. And the advice was extremely helpful. I course, hope so. And very motivating, of course. Yeah. And, um, it's been a pleasure being here. And, um, you know, I'm always here. <laughs> of course. Yeah. So I would like to thank all of our audience for listening in on the podcast of the International Legal League. Now that our series on Law Careers is done, hope to see you for our upcoming series, Mergers and Acquisitions. Thank you again, Jonathan. Hope you have a really nice day ahead. Thank you so much indeed. Thank you for, for inviting me. Thank you. Thank you. Legally Unzipped, where you develop your commercial and jurisdictional awareness.